Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my co-host, sister, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? I am good. How are you? I'm so good. I was just so inspired today, watching all the inauguration stuff. and Me too. I just, oh, I cried a lot of tears. Songs and, mm-hmm. gosh, and the poet... The inaugural poet laureate. Oh, she was amazing. Wow. Yep. Um, on that. Right. No kidding. Yep. Yeah. I loved it. I, I'm cracked. I'm laughing because I had a checkup to this afternoon at the doctor. Mm-hmm. Just like at every six months, you know, labs and checkup thing. And she said, hmm, you're sick. And I said, I am. She goes, well, you're, yeah, you're throat's red your ears are inflamed and your uh, glands are swollen do you feel sick and I was like I don't know do I feel sick <laughs> so apparently I'm sick but I don't know oh. I didn't know I no, I don't feel sick <laughs> isn't that weird that is weird <laughs> yeah well maybe tomorrow so, you'll feel sick I don't know yeah I I I refuse to so it'll be fine but <laughs> anyway good luck with that it just was a funny conversation she's like um your glands are quite swollen. You're 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 ill. <laughs> oh, this is why you wear a mask because you're an idiot like me and walks around sick and you don't know it. <laughs> Attention. That's funny. Yeah, I, I'm so far out of my body. I'm just too focused on everything else, especially today, the inauguration. It was just amazing. So, yeah. Anyway, that that's how I am. Just insane. Well, I'm busy. Sorry, we're late starting. If you hadn't noticed, we're starting at our new time, which is supposed to be 7 p.m. Mountain. Sometimes the life of a phone psychic can get in the way of your schedule. So, yes, so I, I gravely apologize for that. But yes, uh, clients always come first. It's just how it is. Yeah. It's it's how it has to be. It is true. But this is our case update show. We do this every Wednesday. Yeah. And we have... We have a bunch of case update stuff, guys. Sometimes we're like, man, we don't have anything on our current cases. And this week we're like, wow, we have a bunch. Lots of things moving. So should we have the mast case first? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this is the Jessica mast case. She was killed in December, a little four-year-old girl. We've been following this. There's a real yucky thing happening in Missouri with this whole situation. But something happened with her dad. So he, icky. He yeah. bonded out, you guys. He was given a bail of $500,000 and bonded right out. He did. Yep. And and we know just from what we've read and learned about him that that was not his money by any means. No. No. He did bond oh. out on an ankle monitor at least. But the fact that, that he yeah. was even given bail is very concerning to me. Mm-hmm. So for him to bond out of a $500,000 bail, somebody had to have paid $50,000 to a bail bondsman because bail bondsmen typically charge 10%. Mm-hmm. And that's a charge. You don't get that back. That's a payment. Right. So someone has just paid 50 grand to get James Mast out of jail. He has to live at a family member's house. He's not allowed to be around any children and he has to wear an ankle monitor. And basically the judge said, slip up at all, we'll revoke your bond and back you go. But at the end of the day, still, A, they found a bail bonds company that would touch this fool with a 50 foot pole. That is stunning. And 
B, somebody ponied up 50K to get yeah, him out of there. To get him out. It's shocking to me, you know, just watching what we've seen happen with the Day Valo case. They've both had million dollar bonds and not a bondsman in the in in the land would touch them. Not that they had the money or anyone was showing up with the money anyway, but no one was even interested in talking to them. Or, well, yeah. they talked to him, but in, you know, in bonding them out. And so this one yeah. just surprises me because dad was very much complicit and present and just mm-hmm. in the probable cause um, documents that we have read. I mean, he has admitted to all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff that yeah. I, I'm really stunned that, that he was given um, a bond at all. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Well, also, you know, this family did a GoFundMe and they got quite a lot of money uh, to bury the dead four-year-old, right? Right. So they needed a GoFundMe to pay for a funeral, but they can afford $50,000 to just pull him right on out of jail. Right. I am so disgusted. I am too. I, it just not, it, it does not smell right to me at all. Something is wrong in this, Mm -hmm. but that is where we're at. Um, Everyone else is still in jail. Mm-hmm. No one else has bonded out. Um, Mary has had a change of attorney. Yes. Uh, just here in the last few days. Ethan's attorney said that he they were not interested in talking about bail. They wanted to move right on to pretrial. <coughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I, I think for him, I think they knew that he wouldn't get it. But how dad got it, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Deborah in the chat says, I wonder if he is being watched. They might need uh, more or something, um, you know, get something on him by letting him out. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, honestly, they basically told them everything that they needed to know when they came to the yeah. crime scene. It was it's insane to read the probable cause statement. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly graphic. And so we did not share it on the air because you guys do not need that. Yeah. But it was um, surprising to me, considering the things that he admitted to the police officer in that moment, that they would even consider bond. Yeah. But that's a thought. Deborah and, and Cranky says he probably has connections with people or his family does maybe. And that could be also. Mm-hmm. But yep. 50 grand is 50 grand, man. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And of I course, know. that's taking the risk that what if he absconds? Right. Then they owe five hundred thousand. It's bad. Yeah. It's very bad. Yep. It's yeah. pretty astonishing, really. Well, mm-hmm. especially because Mary's family, of course, they're all like Mary was a victim. This was she's a victim of domestic abuse, and you know she she shouldn't be held accountable for this. Well, she's sitting in jail. Yeah. And now James is out. It, this is just yeah, it's pretty horrifying. So we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens next. Uh, there's no more court for any of them until February. Uh, Courtney, I think, doesn't actually go back to court until uh, March. So right. we've She's got a little, little time here. Yeah. And we'll so see where things go. But yeah. And if you're not familiar with this case, the Jessica Mast case, on our the homepage of our YouTube channel, there is a playlist for Jessica Mast because we've covered. Yeah. This will be about the fourth uh, episode where we've talked about this case. And so if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, go watch those other episodes and then you can kind of get a feel for what's going on here. But we like to give this this update. So we'll be keeping an eye on uh, old Mr. Uh, James and see what goes on here. Yeah, most definitely. 
Most definitely. It is interesting, too, because it looks like nearly all of them have paid attorneys. They do. They don't have public defenders. They and don't I, have public defenders. Yeah. So there's there's a lot more money in this situation than is than appears, mm-hmm. you know, on the surface. Oh, yeah. Uh, from where they were living and this kind of some of the situations and stuff there. There's there's definite money around these mm-hmm. people, which is interesting um, yeah. to just kind of question, like, you know, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Yep. Yeah. Well, then the case that just keeps on giving the yeah. Vallow case. Yes. This yeah. is disappointing, but not surprising news that yeah. the Phoenix PD confirmed today that a review of Joseph Ryan's death. Uh, they've been they've done an investigation on his death and their final finding is that he died of natural causes. So Joseph Ryan is Lori Vallow's third husband, Tylee Ryan's dad. So this is Tylee Ryan, the murders of Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallow. Of course, we have, I don't know, nearly 40 episodes on this case. If you haven't, if you're not familiar, you can go. There's a whole episode on Joe Ryan. Um, Mm -hmm. And we, uh, you know, it's not surprising because Joe Ryan died in 2018 and they initially ruled it um, a natural death. And so they didn't investigate then. And mm-hmm. so to be able to go back and investigate now, you know, they didn't treat his house as a crime scene, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't do any of those things, but he died of heart failure, which seems to be pretty convenient around Lori because so did her brother and so did her husband's first wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there have been definitely some questions about whether there was foul play here. Unfortunately, I don't think the police had any evidence to really go on at this point, Joe's. They, they don't seem to. Yep. Unfortunately, well, I mean, he was in, you know, major decomp when they found him, as we know. And That's right. He'd been dead several days. And- been, oh, longer. Yeah, yeah, he'd been dead a while and he was cremated, you know, and so there's just only so much to go on with his death. So it is disappointing because a, a lot of people really were hoping that Lori would be charged, us included. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like that's probably not going to happen in general. Well, and obviously death. the Phoenix PD as well. I mean, they did go back and revisit that. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, and our hearts go out to Annie Cushing. Yes, it's uh, her brother. You know, Joe Ryan's, yeah, sister who has been, you know, really a remarkable person throughout all of this. She's Tylee's aunt. Uh, she's been a researcher extraordinaire. I feel like oh she's gosh. helped advance this case in unbelievable ways. And it's just really, uh, really too bad. But uh, we still very much think that Lori killed Joe or yes. that Lori and Alex killed Joe, that there was a combo going on there and that that happened it's just very disappointing but you know what there's there's still way more to come in this case and bigger fish to fry at this point you know dead kids so Mm -hmm. we'll just we'll keep our finger on that well and they're (laughs) still really looking at charles vallow's death too i mean arizona has has you know unfortunately they hugely dropped the ball in these two deaths Mm -hmm. but they are back reviewing them now but now Mm -hmm. they we've checked alex cox and joe ryan off the list as natural deaths Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still looking at Charles Vallow's death, which we know wasn't a natural death. Alex Cox killed him, um, right. but he claimed self-defense and they just believed him and never really investigated anything. So, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that too, before Camille, she said, does air bubbles in a syringe show up as heart failure? Very simple, but very deadly. I've wondered the same thing. I thought mm-hmm. about it too. And yeah. I didn't have no idea. I have too, because in some, in some of these cases, they've called it pulmonary embolism. And I think you can call mm-hmm. it cause an embolism with an air bubble in a syringe. So mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, the problem with, with 
Joe and Alex and Tammy Daybell, those are the three cases that were, you know, questionable here. Mm -hmm. All of them were originally deemed natural deaths. Yeah. So they weren't investigated at the time. And so now they're going back. But there's, you know, there's no crime scene anymore. You know, bodies have been embalmed or cremated. And, you know, I mean, there's just not, there's no evidence left. Yep. Yep. You know, she's good. She was good up to the point that they decided to kill her kids, you know, but she's gotten away with a lot. She has. At least in Tylee and JJ's case, um, that is those that was a much fresher situation and they have a lot more evidence in 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 those two yeah. cases so it is it I, I have hope yet that that she and chad will be held accountable just not mm-hmm. for all of the crimes they've committed probably it's probably never gonna they'll probably never be able to catch up with them on all of them but yeah. we'll, we'll take what we can get for right. sure right. well and also in this case uh we're back to lawyer battles <laughs> The lawyer battling in this in this case is just unbelievable. So as you guys know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a hearing because both uh, Lori and Chad's attorneys had filed to have the prosecutor removed from the case. As we know, they lost that battle. Um, they <laughs> were wildly shitty in court. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Pryor repeatedly called the prosecutor a liar and a cheater and we all just kind of sat back and went oh bro (laughs) you are so gonna simmer in these juices later Mm -hmm. and simmer he is already Yes. yes so a couple of things have come up you know it's really interesting these attorneys are quite salty on the mormon church Mm -hmm. which is pretty interesting considering that you know this uh their client's were active members. Uh, they kind of, you know, obviously we know they spun their own little uh, brand of the religion off. And, you know, we, we know all of this. Sort of spun off into of the, the universe, really. Yeah, for sure. And, but, you know, one of the big complaints they had in the their attempt to get the prosecutor released is that they said he basically threatened and intimidated their client through Summer Shiflet through uh, telling her that he, too, is a member of her church which was just odd. But anyway, uh, he didn't. If you listen to the recording, it's very clear that he was not doing that. But no, he was just he was commiserating with her. And yeah, it was so stupid. But at any rate, that was one of the things they said. Uh, So they had done some kind of an attempt at a survey in Fremont and maybe Madison counties. Mm -hmm. So they showed So they had sent, and we knew this happened because it had hit the news, but they had some woman wandering around with the clipboard asking people questions about the case. Right. And from that, they said that they had done a survey that made it clear that their clients could not get a fair trial in, you know, Madison, Bonneville, or Fremont counties. Those are, uh, you know, Madison is where Lori is housed. Fremont is where Chad is housed. The murders actually occurred at Chad's house, which is literally on the border of Madison and Fremont. So there's been this relationship back and forth. Right. Uh, Bonneville is where Idaho Falls is. And I don't know why they didn't include Jefferson. There's actually a county in between those that they didn't include, which I think is really weird. Uh, yeah, but, it is strange. <laughs> but one of the things they said 
in their brief about trying to, uh, you know, get the case moved to somewhere else, which we think they're trying to move it to Ada, which would be the Boise area. But at any rate, about five hours from us. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, this was a, a brief, I believe, from a, it was a memorandum in support of motion to change venue. Although there is significant reference to LDS scriptures and religion, the suggestion of cult activities is continually being advanced without any merit. The survey presented to the court performed by defense counsel and provided as an exhibit supports the assertion that a fair trial cannot be had in the 7th Judicial District. It shows that not only was the person conducting the survey presented with threats from Bonneville, Madison, and Fremont counties, that the vast majority of people interviewed stated that they have already made up their mind regarding the guilt of the defendants. Further, that the vast majority would not change their mind. So as usual, poorly written, um, please, Grammarly, 29, 99, <laughs> all the time, please. But anyway, <laughs> hell, you can... I'll give you my password really prior. You can use mine. If that's what you need. If you can't afford that, really. Well, I've I've heard they're struggling to pay well, for right. this. No one is helping them. No one at all. Anyway, so basically, yet again, they're so it's just so crazy because when they want to fall back on the church stuff to help them, then that's okay. But when it, the church is the, uh, you know, the thorn in their side, then they're pissed off. It's just very interesting to see how they're kind of operating back and forth. But basically, the judge said that uh, the survey was not valid. Yeah. There's something about the way the survey was conducted, whether it was the questions that were asked or the uh, what we're going to learn more about that, I'm sure, down the road. But anyway, the judge was unimpressed with the survey and the way it was handled. So color me shocked right right shock, well shock. i mean i'm guessing and i don't know this for sure but i'm going to make an assumption here that when you are doing a professional survey for something that's going to go to a court of law there are probably companies that you hire to do these things i'm gonna go out on a limb here <laughs> and guess that they I found it right on craigslist I yeah right right there are probably because, um, you know, these two attorneys have done all kinds of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the Idaho rules and laws. They yeah. are constantly, you know, all of all of these allegations they made against um, Woods, mm -hmm. you know, weren't even weren't even real rules that he broke. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would bet they would have done it completely wrong and, and not have seen what the Idaho rules were and what the expectation was. Because I'll bet you're right that there mm -hmm. are professionals that do that kind of thing that do it appropriately. Mm -hmm. Right. And that they didn't use them. They, you know, they did a DIY version of this and this is what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. We'll keep our finger on that. But the other part of it is that you remember when you talk shit, you get hit. I don't know prior. He apparently didn't remember. But so here's what has happened. They have filed some paperwork with the court claiming that the Big, mean, rude prosecutor is not giving them the evidence that they're asking for because they want very specific interviews, paperwork, uh, videos, recordings. They want all of those things just cherry picked out of the evidence bank and handed to them. And the prosecutor's office said, nah. So the prosecutor's office basically has given them a vast bank of evidence and said, we may call 
any of these witnesses and we may use any of this evidence. So here you go, be prepared. And they're mad because they don't have a bunch of help to go through all of this stuff. And it is a vast amount of evidence and paperwork. You think about what the stuff we heard from the FBI. Gosh, I can't imagine. In the, in the pretrial. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, even just that little piece is unbelievable anyway. So basically what, uh, the, def- what the yeah the defense is doing is they are kind of saying we don't really want to do our whole job we want you guys to uh, do half of it for us and the Here, process- this out. just give us the parts we want yeah just just give us exactly what we need to know we'd like the cliff's notes version of this case please and the prosecutor's office is like we are under no obligation to do that yeah you know and then under their breath they're saying remember we're liars and cheaters so f you here you go you yeah. know they don't have to do that. They it's don't. your job to do that, the, right. the defense. So. Well, and, and Jessica said maybe just a paralegal from one of their offices did the um, survey. Well, that would be great, Jessica, if they had paralegals. But from so far, what we have seen, they don't. They have no one helping them. No one mm-hmm. comes to court with them. No one takes notes for them. When Pryor whined and cried forever needing the transcript of the preliminary hearing. There were three or four people sitting behind the prosecutor taking notes during those hearings. Um, They didn't, Pryor and Means had no one. They don't don't have anybody. They're Mm -hmm. doing all of this themselves. So now they have to sort all of this. Somebody between then and now. But yeah, it appears that they're totally on their own. We have never seen them in court with any kind of assistance. No. Uh, So yeah, they're they're receiving the giant boxes of stuff or, you know, or data files or whatever it is. And having to sort themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and again, had they not been assholes from the get-go, you know, had they been cooperative and worked together with the prosecutor's office, maybe this would be different, but they didn't. They have chosen to be very combative, to be difficult, to constantly cry and whine that they're being wronged in some way. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're getting. Anyway, it's, it's pretty only defense. It's all they've got. Yeah, what's the this this is all they have. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. No. Well, Mouth of the South asked, doesn't the coroner keep blood samples from the autopsy? Yeah, yeah. If if there were autopsies done, which there weren't. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I guess there was on there was some blood work on um Alex. Alex Cox. did have an autopsy. That's Alex right. Alex did have an autopsy. And Tammy had an autopsy after she had already been embalmed and buried. So yeah. that wasn't too useful. And Joe did not have an autopsy. Yeah. So that's the hard part. Um, yeah. That, uh, you know, the, the police are running into now looking back at these things, realizing, oh, my gosh, these may be murders is they don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah. 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 And, and Jessica says it's super weird. We thought all lawyers had at least one paralegal or legal assistant. Well, so did we. Mm-hmm. But the, what, from the request that they're making about you know, not wanting to have to sort through anything, needing the transcript of, you know, a a giant two day hearing that they were physically present for, um, you know, just stuff like that. You can see that they don't seem to have any help. Mm -mm. Either one of them means or prior. No. But, you know, also, I don't think that Chad and Lori really have any money left. So they're not not looking like, well, and in fact, we had seen a comment 
uh, on a news site claiming that uh, Chad's house is now in Pryor's name. And yes. so we did do a property search uh, for Fremont County and discovered that's true. This yeah. is really weird. The, Chad's house is now in the name of Tamara Daybell and John Pryor. Yeah. Tamara Daybell has been dead now for about 14 months. But uh, at any rate, the name is the house is in her name and John Pryor's name. And so has the house been put up as payment for legal fees? Clearly. Is it a management thing? Or at yeah. least a guarantee. A guarantee thing. Yep. But yeah. Chad's name, Chad's house is his name nowhere on it. It's now Pryor and Tammy. Why is Tammy's name still on it? I'm guessing her estate's never been settled. No, I would imagine her estate has not ever been settled. Because you would think her children would have some right there. Well, maybe her estate can't be settled. Maybe, you know, maybe her, uh, where her death certificate may be inconclusive at this point. Maybe there, maybe it can't be settled. (laughs) Mouth of the South says, how did they determine it was a heart attack if there was no autopsy? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because that was, right. Because that was the coroner's initial findings. Yeah. Because that's what the coroner said. They had, both of them had pink foam coming out of their mouths, which is, um, can, can be a heart attack or pulmonary embolism, apparently. So really, literally, it's, it's guessing at this point. It is truly guessing. You're right. It's incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. um, because there are, you know, the Joe Ryan had no autopsy and, uh, you know, Tammy's was done after she'd been embalmed. I mean, there's just not, yeah, you've lost all kinds of information there. So, mm-hmm. yep, without Crazy. a doubt. Yeah. So that's what's up in the Daybell Vallow cases. There's yeah. actually quite a bit of movement and weird shit happening. But uh, of course, as always, we'll keep our finger on it. I love seeing that survey get smacked down, though, because I remember when it was going on. The news was reporting on it, and everybody felt like it was pretty sketchy, mm-hmm. and we just weren't sure what any of this meant, or you know, what was going on, or is this even legal? Right, um, right. Well, to, no, <laughs> to be fair, I don't think that uh, they can get a fair trial here. I oh, really can't. No. I don't think they can. I don't know. Idaho Falls, maybe, but definitely not Fremont so. or Madison. There no. were there were um, uh, candlelight vigils for those kids here in Idaho Falls. We're 30 yeah, miles away. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they can get a fair trial here. People here know about this case. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to have to go closer to Boise, even Twin Falls, maybe. Maybe. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's certainly more convenient for us if it's here, but <laughs> it's all but probably going to be live streamed anyway. So probably. And at the end of the day, the one thing we've said many times and we'll keep saying, we want this to be done right. We don't want any chance of anything being declared a mistrial of Lori being able to come back and say that she had incompetent representation or that something was done unfairly. Hell no. We want everything to be done absolutely correctly so that these monsters can get every charge coming to them and be behind bars for the end of forever. Yes, absolutely. If that means moving it, move it. Right. Do whatever it takes to give them a fair trial. You're right. We don't want any grounds for it to go. No. No, we want these idiots to go away forever. Yeah. So our last thing um, uh, to talk about, we we did the um, case of Selena Not Afraid last week. She's mm-hmm. She was a, uh, a murdered Indigenous woman from, well, girl, really, she was 16, uh, from Hardin in uh, 
Montana. She was killed. She died, was killed. We believe she was killed, but um, they've deemed it a, a, a death of natural causes or not natural causes, but exposure basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So she was, she was left for some reason at a, at a rest stop on I-90. She walked apparently three quarters of a mile away from that rest stop and died um, of hypothermia. It took authorities 20 days to find her body. And that to me seemed like a lot of time if they were trying real hard. So I went and I did a little research to see if I could find a case that was similar of a person who was not from, um, who was not a native person uh, or, you know, like a missing teenager who was not native in Montana Mm -hmm. and see how it was different. So I found a a case and I'm not going to give this kid's name. Uh, It turns out that this was most likely a suicide so there's not a lot on it, but he was 15. He went out at about 7 PM in, this was in April of the same year, April, 2020. He mm-hmm. said he was going out for a and run. And she died on new year's day. She died on new year's day of 2020. So same, mm-hmm. this was in um, emigration, Montana. So not exactly the same town, but same state. He went supposedly running outside. This is a tiny little town. He was out in the brush, just like Selena was out oh. in the brush. He didn't come home and there was a huge search, a huge grid search with 150 people showed up in their community and all the law enforcement and everybody. And they found that kid in under 48 hours. Yeah. And I got to say, why didn't Selena not afraid get the same treatment? You cannot tell me that it was the same level of commitment to finding her that it was to him to take 20 days to find her because they didn't know where he was. He was out for a run, Mm -hmm. a run, wherever that is. Right. So it was a big area for them to search. Mm -hmm. They knew where she disappeared from Mm -hmm. and she was only found three quarters of a mile from that place. Her family pulled an RV. It was to a rest stop. Her family pulled an RV there and lived in it and camped there (laughs) For 20 days, searching for her themselves and begging for help and getting a little bit of help, but not anything, obviously, like this kid's family. From the Department of the Interior are who found her body. Mm -hmm. This was not law enforcement. This was not the FBI. This was not who you would think would be out looking for a missing 16-year-old girl on Mm -hmm. New Year's Day in Montana. We live in Idaho. We're adjacent. It's damn cold. It was Mm -hmm. 30 degrees during the day and 20 on the night that she went missing and it rained. So I just, I I say this only because we, you know, we, we are committed to working on the missing indigenous women and girls cases. And I want to, whenever possible, highlight the difference between a native missing person and a non-native missing person. And this is a huge friggin' difference. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure someone will come back and say that all of, the, all of the circumstances were different. No, they weren't. These were two missing children. And the authorities took the missing, not native kid, very seriously. Yep. And they took the missing native kid not very seriously. It just, oh. it, it horrifies me. And I'm going to continue uh, researching cases like this as we go along to give parallels, because I think it's really important for us to recognize that this is the difference. This is the same state. This is within four, three months of each other, you know, Mm -hmm. look at the difference in how they were handled. Yep. Wrong on every level. 
It's, it's, this is really important for us to recognize and to continue to report on and continue to pull the uh, differences to light. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just, and just for all of us to understand so the that difference. when, when we're voting, when we are on city councils, however we are involved in our communities, when we have the opportunity to speak up, we have to speak up on these particular issues. Mm-hmm. And a big oh. part of it is just becoming aware of it. I mean, I knew there was right. some issue. I did not know it was this bad. Yeah. I've well, watched some also, absolutely horrendous um, documentaries that just break your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Crank is happening all, happening all over the country. Yes, it, it does. As well as, you know, someone pointed out in one of our comment streams that, uh, that, problem with this in Canada is just as vast. And so we want to be sure that we're not only covering Indigenous cases here uh, in the U.S., but also in other countries, particularly in Canada, because the issues are very similar. They are. Although when Justin Trudeau became the prime minister of Canada, he put a huge uh, spotlight on this issue where there had not Mm -hmm. been one before. And they are getting a lot more federal help now than we are. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm hoping we will. The U.S. cases are supposed to be, too. There was there was some legislation signed, but it just didn't go far enough. No. Wasn't really implemented. I'm really hoping that'll happen now. Yeah. So the, the huge problem we have in the U.S. is jurisdiction. Yes. It's like nobody. It's not just people don't know who has jurisdiction. It's a little more like nobody wants to take it. Yeah. is my impression in reading about a lot of these cases is that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the feds can come in and help but they often don't and yeah. choose not to. And and why do they have the right to choose not to? Because I got to tell you, if a white kid went missing from the town where I live, well, yep. JJ and Tylee, you know who came when they found all those kids were missing? The FBI. And they stayed for how many months? Right. In a trailer in the police department parking lot. Parking lot. Yep. Helping to find until they found the kids. They came in like February and they stayed until June. June. Yep. You know? Why is that yeah. not happening for Native kids and for Native yeah. women? It should be. Yeah. It should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and not just Native, but people of color in general. Uh, most, however, most definitely. However, we've been putting our focus on missing and murdered uh, Indigenous women because the statistics of murder in the Native American communities have gotten to be frightening in the United States, the third leading, leading cause of death for uh, Native women and girls is murder. Third leading. Yeah. That's and the, the statistics true. of being sexually assaulted are astronomical. So anyway, yep, we're going to keep this conversation going. It also is useful in your towns. If you mm-hmm. have a missing person, if you guys live near a res, if you're seeing stuff like this, that you use your voice, you know, yes. and you pay attention and you be a part of the solution. I know it feels like a vast problem that we wonder, like, what the hell can we do about it? But we got to find a way. We've got to keep paying attention. We absolutely do. And, yeah, bringing the attention. If you know of a case in your area, please tell us. Please also do whatever you can put the word out in your communities. But tell us because we will cover that case. Mm -hmm. We want to help in whatever way that we can. Yeah. And, yeah, the hashtag. Thank you, Carly, for that. The hashtag MMIW is becoming more and more well-known and well-searched. Yes. Um, if you search that hashtag on TikTok now, there's a lot of awareness. There's a lot of cases coming to light. Like a movement is happening. We just, we're going to be a, a solution. We're going to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah. 
There are a bunch of Facebook groups too. Some of them are national. Some of them are just local areas and communities because honestly, the very worst state in Idaho or in the U S is Montana. Yeah. Montana is number one for these cases. So yeah, we're going to, you're going to be hearing a lot about Montana. You are. And you're going to hear about Idaho too, because there's some, right. We don't live very far from a Mm -hmm. reservation. I only, I only live about 30 miles from a reservation. So we're going to be talking about some cases from there. Yep. Well, when the weather gets better, we will definitely take some road trips too and and do some on-site reporting of some of these cases. Yep. When we can, this this last one I we could have done had the roads not it, had it not been you know January we yeah. could have gone on site but not yes not right now we're wusses and we don't do slick roads so it's not happening not a good time to be driving between here and Billings that's for sure the pass between Idaho and Montana either one of them not good I'm not doing that <laughs> no no but we will this summer definitely mm-hmm. yeah yep so we'll keep on it. We will. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you for joining us at 7 p.m. Pacific. We will be back tomorrow night with the Thursday Psychic Show also at 7 p.m. Pacific. Yep. Uh, we, we made that little time change. And so we see that most of you figured that out. And hopefully if you didn't, you'll hear this and, and figure it out. Yeah. Um, I did. So for Spirit School, which is our membership here on our YouTube channel, I did do a class last night, but apparently something was wrong with YouTube and the live stream notifications did not go out. So many of you have been asking about that. I've been giving everybody a link. Always on the homepage of our YouTube channel, there is a playlist for Spirit School. So every every um, recording goes right there as soon as it's done. So if you miss mm-hmm. one, you can just get it right there. And I apologize. Once I go live, I have no idea if you guys can see it or not. Yeah. And I know one of you could, there was somebody that watched the whole thing, but there mm-hmm. was only one person. I was really surprised. But then I find out later that other people could not find the live stream. Mm-hmm. YouTube so. has been, you know, acting like YouTube. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, as always, if you have case suggestions for us, please visit our website, truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. And you can send mm-hmm. us case suggestions there. We appreciate that. And we just appreciate all of you for being here and listening. So have a great night, everybody. You bet. Take care, guys. Thanks for being here. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.